Good morning and welcome back to CATR 101.9. You're listening to The Real World. It's 11 o'clock and it's Friday. Real world time. Um, I'm your host, Alex. I'm here with my friend, Reed. Hello. Very good friend to the show. Um, Yeah, Real World is uh, part of UBC's um, Film Society, which is one of the oldest clubs on campus. Um, we're broadcasting live today from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territory um, here on the UBC campus. Um, first, I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, thank you to everyone who came to the Moonrise Kingdom beer garden last night. There was like a really good turnout and that was cool to see. Um, and also that today is the last day of Fun Drive. Um, We didn't have a show last week, so we didn't really have the opportunity to kind of talk about Fun Drive on air, Um, but it's not too late to donate still. You can call 604-822-8648. Phone lines are open today from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m., and you can also donate online at citr.ca slash donate. Um, If you're interested in claiming any of our show-specific prizes, we we still have some pairs of tickets to the Rio and Van City Theater. Um, so with any minimum donation of $25 done through the phone lines, um, you get a pair of tickets so you can, you know, have some fun on Valentine's Day with somebody or your friend or or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a really great prize and it's a great cause. Um, CATR is obviously very important to both of us and Vancouver as a whole. I think it's really great that it's not really just a college campus radio, like it is meaningful to this whole city. Um, and is kind of the center of promoting local music, local arts, um, all kinds of programming and content that wouldn't be here otherwise. Alternative and independent programming. Yeah. Coming from CITR. Exactly. All the good stuff. Um, so once again, you can call from today from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. at 604-822-8648. Um, we're also having the Fun Drive finale tonight. Um, it starts at 9 p.m. It's going to be at Redgate. Uh, there's a lot of really good acts playing um, Psy, What, Big City, Devours, um, Frankie Teardrop. Uh, it's a $10 admission. It's all ages. Um, I think, yeah, I think doors are at 8 and set set times start at 9. Um, you can check the CITR Facebook, though, if you want to see specific set times and all that good stuff. Um, but, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We're going to be talking about Horse Girl today. Horse Girl. Oh, I had one more. Sorry, I totally forgot. Film Society related announcement um, that next Thursday, February 27th, um, UBC Film Society is doing a norm screening of Invasion and the Body Remembers. Um, This is in collaboration with the Indigenous Committee. So we're um, holding a Wet'suwet'en fundraiser screening. So all the proceeds for this screening are going to the Unistodan and um, resistance effort. So the doors are going to be at 6 p.m. At 6.30 uh, is Invasion. And then right after that is The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open, which is directed by L. Maya Tailfeathers and Kathleen Hepburn from 2019. Um, yeah, this is going to be a really cool event. I think it's a great collaboration with the Indigenous Committee at UBC and... Um, yeah, it's for a really, really important cause. So if you can be there, it's next Thursday, February 27th. Um, doors are at 6. Um, yeah, so back to Horse Girl. This movie came out on Netflix, like, last Friday or something, February 7th. Yeah, February 7th, early 2020. Um, um yeah, I'm a big fan of anything Alison Brie, so I was just immediately drawn to it. And then watching the trailer was really interesting because the, the title's just so kind of imbued with lots of like <laughs> cultural meaning meme, yeah meme culture and, yeah yeah it's like so based in a lot of just internet stuff and I, I don't know the title really is a far reach though from what the film is kind of actually about it's a bit of a red herring you might say it is and even the trailer has this very kind of like diy crafty feeling that maybe goes with the like horse girl title but um pretty soon you realize that something weird is going on there's a bit more to it than what you think even for the first um almost like third or first half yeah um 
Yeah, maybe maybe not quite, but at the beginning, you're definitely um, given the sense of comfortability, and like, oh, this is kind of like indie drama comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Molly Shannon in it as well. Um, yeah. Um, so it's directed by Jeff Baina. Baina, I think. Who also directed um, Life After Beth with Aubrey Plaza and The Little Hours. I just watched The Little, o- Little Hours a few months ago, actually. And that was really good. Yeah. I'd never, I don't know how it even entered my mind to watch it, but it was, it's a comedy, I'd say. So this is kind of a different vibe entirely, I think, from both of those. Yeah. Also with Alison Brie as well in Little Hours, correct? Or yeah. She yeah. was in that too with like Aubrey Plaza and Dave and, Franco. And Molly and, Shannon as well as in that. Oh yeah, she was. Yeah. That's true. She was like the head nun. Um yeah, the screenplay for Horse Girl was written by Jeff Baina and Alison Brie together and then yeah. directed by Jeff Baina. Um, yeah, I did a, a really big deep dive this morning on the uh, Reddit threads. I, I'm like, <laughs> so I don't go on Reddit, obviously. Um, obviously. Well, I just, <laughs> I don't know how to talk about it. I'm like, why, what are these up and down arrows? And like, in my mind, it's just so associated with like really scary things that I try and avoid it unless it's like a, a medical issue I'm researching or, <laughs> <laughs> or not movie the, or movie. not the place to go, but it is great for film. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of good discussion. Yeah. I couldn't really find a lot of kind of more like analytical reviews and stuff that weren't you know, from some kind of crowdsourced type of thing. So Reddit yeah. um, did give some really valuable insights into the film, um, into just, like, how people were receiving it and, like, what ties it has to discussing mental illness or um, conspiracy theories and things like that. So I think that was really helpful for me to read through before um, coming here. But, um, yeah, I don't. maybe we should just start with some, like, overall... Background, stuff. background and synopsis. Yeah. Um, so Alison Brie plays the main character, Sarah, yep. who um, we're introduced to her as she's this very like definitely friendly and nice and sweet person, but kind of awkward. And she works at this arts and crafts store. So that's kind of how the character is built um, for us as the viewers. We just see these little like interactions between her and her other coworkers that are they're just like sweet and and warm interactions but um you can tell she's definitely just like you, you know not your normal girl she's a little bit shy and like timid and yeah but nothing at this point felt off no, to me no no like it was just like okay this is kind of a little uh, an interesting character mm-hmm. um and then what happens after that um basically we get to see a little bit of her life uh it becomes it's her birthday like the next day mm-hmm. um and then you, you get to understand that she doesn't she have a lot really of friends. doesn't have a lot of friends she she tries to she's like oh i'm gonna go out for drinks with people from my zumba class also the zumba class is like watching alison <laughs> brie in this character you know she's like she, i mean in glow she's very like has a lot of movement and like very flexible right even mad men she has this kind of suaveness yeah exactly and and so watching this character do zumba um in this sort of awkward body is really really funny so uh, like it's very very awkward i felt like when i was watching um have you seen eighth grade I've seen half of it. Okay, I had a really similar feeling watching that, where it's that kind of like secondhand embarrassment yeah. feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, as I just feel cringy that. and. Yeah. Um, but I I love that, and I think that Allison Brie like, she destroyed that role. You know, yeah. like to actually give me that sense of, just my skin was crawling in I, a lot of those situations. And I, I think a lot of it has to do, which is good, but I think a lot of it has to do with um. So Jeff Baina, it, all the dialogue is improvised. Um, in the whole movie yeah wait Uh, what's the point of having a screenplay then it's like well i mean you need to write a screenplay most films or tv shows that do dialogue uh, improvised dialogue will basically like it'll say what the characters are going to talk about what their intentions are what their moods are but the actual dialogue itself he wants it to be very natural so he allows the actors to say what they would in the character's mind or mm-hmm. how they like he, he actually is all like that's his style all his films um have improvised dialogue i uh, didn't know that yeah um, it feels super not not that it feels scripted but it just feels like really 
well done. Yeah, you know, and so and I think, and that's kind of why he likes it is that it's a bit. Uh, of course, like there's going to be certain takes, and they take the best one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe when they get a bit more comfortable with what they're saying, and they repeat the lines after right. improvising it once. Um, but yeah, for the for the most part, yeah, I guess I can see that it does feel very like natural. Yeah, and I think some of that awkwardness kind of has to do with that too. Mm. Is like um, so going a little bit down in the plot or later in the plot, like uh, her roommate invites her boyfriend's friend over, and he's also a little bit of an awkward guy. Yeah, um, and, and they kind of they get on a bit, but they're both very strange. Um, and that dialogue, for example, is kind of awkward. Yeah, I love that whole party scene, though, when the roommate's boyfriend is playing his, like, rap album. Yeah, <laughs> it's a concept album. Yeah, and they're all just, like, really stoned, and I that was so funny And she starts dancing like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> it is, like, I don't know. This is just such an interesting scene in contrast to the rest of the movie and how everything unfolds, you know, it, yeah. it's like super kind of lighthearted there, but I guess that's a intentional kind of juxtaposition made. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I, I should probably give a better synopsis than just going through the plot. Um, kind right. of like an overall. Well, okay. So she meets the, her roommate's boyfriend's roommate. Yeah. They get along really well. Um, and then, and then it's after this point that that Sarah kind of starts, at least from our perspective, this is where she starts kind of breaking down or entering this kind of psychotic state to some extent. Yeah. Um. She will like wake up in the night and she's just standing in the kitchen, or she she's losing these lo- these lapses of time where yeah. she, when she comes to, she's in a completely you know random place outside of her home. And where she feels like a large chunk of time has passed by, it's only been a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, so these types of things keep happening. She's having these dreams um, where she's in this kind of just white space. And there's these two people on either side of her um, that she starts seeing in real life yeah. as well. So she's starting to just get more and more convinced that, that something is wrong. Um, a lot of it is also connected to her mother's... Um, mental illness as well as her grandmother's Mm -hmm. um so we see her starting to explore that and kind of wondering like when they started showing those symptoms yeah um and these things are um not like introduced right at first you're you're kept guessing for a little while about yeah what you know what happened to bring sarah to this point um like i'm assuming uh, another thing i was like allison brie is 37 years old but she played like I, I'm assuming Sarah. Like what I got Sarah was a bit a bit younger than that. Like 29. even like twenty like late twenties, mm-hmm. um, which is also impressive. Like Alison Brie did a great job in acting this character and and a bit right. younger and a bit just really not herself at all. You see some actors often kind of play themselves very mm-hmm. very well, but this is a really big departure, I would say. Yeah. Um. So we're trying to we're just like watching Sarah, I guess, descend more and more into this paranoia. She's researching theories about alien abductions, um, cloning, cloning, time travel, time travel. Um, she has this photo of her grandmother that they it is Alison Brie in the photo. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, just but in, in like for the movie's sake, she feels like she is so uncannily similar to her grandmother that they must be clones yeah that her grandma died and then like was re-manifested into her body Mm -hmm. or something like that um so this is kind of the theory that sticks and a lot of this is fueled by this tv show that she's always watching called purgatory it's like Um, supernatural basically like essentially like supernatural um so her lines between you know what exists in this show and everything with her mother and her grandmother and reality are all just getting blurrier and blurrier um and even us as the viewers like we can't really tell what's real and what isn't either um i was thinking a lot about like the joker Mm -hmm. when i was thinking about that like the unreliable narrator Narrator, kind of thing happening where by the end i was just like i don't even know you know what yeah, no, what happening. is happening anymore. Yeah, the, Like, the what whole, is her projections or what is reality? Yeah, the whole, like, even the whole last, um, like, the last third of the film is, is just a complete, it's kind of, you, you watch her go into this downward spiral mm-hmm. of, um, 
psychosis, I would I would say, and and uh, but th- because things are yet so weird, you don't know what's a dream, and they do a really good job. They didn't want to like that was their intention. I think they didn't want to have a very um, clean transition into what was reality and what was uh, dreamlike. Like there was no flashing light or or whatever that mm-hmm. would transition the audience into it it was very seamless and smoothless it all oftentimes it was like she would just go to sleep and things would happen or sometimes she wasn't asleep like you really didn't know yeah something interesting i read uh online was about water and like the drains kind of being a, a trigger for her yeah episodes or like yeah. her lapses of of time being lost um like, I definitely picked up on that at some point, that it was important. They would have these really close-up shots of the water in her shower, like, circling the drain and going yeah. down or in her sink. Yeah. Um, and just these really ominous, like, from-below shots of her just, you know, totally gone. Just, yeah, just her like eyes are just yeah. have left. Um, and there's a whole – one of the people she sees in her dreams is a plumber and that – there's that's a weird scene where she gets she wants to like she confronts him she also goes and watches him at mm-hmm. home um because she's convinced that it either he's also being abducted and he and she went and like confronted them and she, he wasn't saying anything she's like oh he's a liar or she thinks he also might be a clone yeah that part was really interesting i guess when i think about the plot as a whole um it does feel very sporadic and kind of unfocused in a lot of ways but i think that's very very indicative of her mental state right that we don't really know what order things are happening or why she's fixated on these you know really strange details like this plumber that she saw in her dream who as far as we can tell is just like a normal person and she he's probably in her dreams because he's he's always walking by the store that she works by yeah but she's like convinced it's the other way around you know that he's walking by because she's seen him in his dreams yeah, first yeah um i've only i've only really actually thought about that now where maybe one of my issues with the film was that it's so just kind of roundabout and like going through all these different things and just a lot of it feels purposeless yeah but i think that is so so intentional now that i'm looking at it as a whole that we're really brought into her viewpoint and how all these tiny things like start to matter and are more reasons for paranoia or more justification for, you know, these other realities that she thinks to be true. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's the same way. Like I have like a note, like it's what I say was, it was unsettling. Um, but also at the same time, slightly underwhelming Mm -hmm. at certain points, I think because it, it does, there are, there is this obvious intention to create, some uncertainty with the audience and uh uncomfortability and then watch all this ambiguity happen with what is real and what isn't Mm -hmm. um but with all the theories that she has and where the film is really going is it aliens is it her is it actually her mental illness you know it it almost it doesn't answer it which is fine Mm -hmm. because it really tries to leave the viewer to try to understand and, and and empathize and really be with the character. But at the same time, some of the writing gets a bit confused at points. Um, and and almost, there's a, there, it runs the risk, or it, it, it does do it, of being too ambig- ambiguous. Um, yeah. When you try to reach for ambiguity, y- you can go overboard. Right. I guess it does kind of straddle this line between like how well can you translate those kinds of experiences because you know from a rational perspective like they don't make sense yeah um but i think something that keeps coming up during the film is that like for her how real it feels like she emphasizes that so much that Mm -hmm. she's like i know this is crazy i know like this doesn't sound like a real thing but it feels so real yeah um and i really i really like that they emphasize that in the film like I think that that's incredibly validating mm-hmm. you know for for people who are experiencing those types of things yeah um I don't know I guess I just I hadn't really seen a movie that deals with mental illness that that does emphasize that concept and 
the yeah. idea of like putting importance on that person's experience first rather than just trying to undermine it or you know show that what's happening isn't real because I think a lot of the movie does give a lot of like credibility to her own theories mm-hmm. you know and part of that is like of course we're watching things through her perspective but I I don't know I really enjoy the fact that it is left so open it's true yeah I, I i was reading in an interview like both um both jeff and allison when writing wanted to like explore this obviously explore this topic but in a really real way and i, and I think they do it in a good job um you, you're really on sarah's journey the entire time you're mm-hmm. with her um, there's never really a moment where you're, f- you, where you do, you may be confused about what is true, yeah. but that's almost more indicative of, of how, um, the story is doing its job in, because Sarah is also confused mm-hmm. and Sarah is unsure. And so you're really going through this journey with her. You're along with it, uh, you're along with her the entire way, yeah. um, through the confusion, through the dreams, through the um, the mental hospital visit and every, you, you you become part of it all uh, and you feel for it a lot. Yeah, I think they did do a good job of that. And we'll touch on the mental hospital and all that stuff later. Um, and there's definitely some more kind of little clues and symbolism things that I, I want to explore. Um, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. I'm going to start us off with... Um, you Never Let Go by Kainalu and Munya. This just came out like last week or something, and I cannot stop listening to it. Um, but we'll be back.
This year's Fun Drive finale is on Valentine's Day, which has always been CITR and Discorder's favorite holiday. This is the Valentine's Day episode. I, I, whatever. Um, you know, just a commercial holiday to sell you more sh- Um, happy Valentine's Day? I don't know. I don't really, uh, uh, it's not really my thing. Valentine's Day is pretty much a hallmark scam to get you to spend your money on chocolate and cards, so you might as well spend your cash at the Fun Drive finale. We're sealing Fun Drive with a kiss, with the help of Psy, Canon Moulot, What, Big City, and Devours, with tunes by DJ Frankie Teardrop at Redgate Art Society on Friday, February 14th, a.k.a. Valentine's Day. It's all ages, $10, but no one turned away for lack of funds, and has a silent auction with prizes from businesses across Vancouver. Thank you. Love, CITR, and Discorder.
God. Oh. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Oh. Everybody. God, this is awful. Isn't there anything? 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 Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really topping the charts, pick up a copy of Discorder magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? <laughs> And we are back. Um, you're listening to The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. I really enjoy that ad. Everybody dance. <laughs> it's going to haunt me to my grave. I know it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were talking about Horse Girl. Also, another shout out that is Fun Drive. <laughs> Fun Drive ends today. Call 604-822-8648 between 1 and 9. That's when our phone lines are open. Um, and also stop by the uh, Fun Drive finale tonight. It's um, at 8 p.m. at Redgate. And there's some really cool acts, and all of the proceeds for that help our fundraisers. So it's going to be a great time. Um, yeah, back to Horse Girl. Horse Girl. Uh, <laughs> we... Well, I wanted to talk about um, this, like, peach fabric in the movie. So so Sarah works at this arts and crafts store, um, and there's this – there's all these, like, bolts of fabric everywhere. And then this woman comes in. She's looking for, like, this specific shade, and then Sarah shows her this peachy fabric. And the woman's like, oh, this is perfect. Like, this has such a good energy to it. Mm-hmm. And Sarah's like, what? Colors have energy? And the lady's like, Yeah. They do. And well, she, she's also the, the lady was a, she's like I'm a psychic. And, yeah, so yeah. she gives Sarah this smudge that is her business card, which I just think is hilarious. Also, like she pulls this whole thing out of her bag yeah. and is like, "Here you go." Um, and I kind of didn't dwell on it too much, but then we see that fabric come back um, later in the film multiple times. Um, so there's one time where Sarah's in the shower, and then she kind of disassociates, and she ends up standing in the craft store completely naked Mm -hmm. um and then when she realizes what's happening like everyone's staring at her that's when she grabs coincidentally this peach fabric and wraps herself in it yeah um and then we also see it's when um she has been admitted to a mental institution and then she in her mind escapes yeah um and we see her go to the craft store and she grabs this peach fabric and she's just unraveling it and walking with it out the door yeah. i thought that was such an amazing shot when she's cool. walking and just the fabric is never ending right yeah, yeah, like yeah. it never with comes the off wall. the spool yeah, yeah against the brick wall that was awesome um and then we just see this like totally kind of delusional montage of her at her sewing machine and she's making like this peach ninja suit this was the most absurd part of this movie. To it was, me. yeah. It ba- basically, well, when she gets into the the mental hospital, um, it's um, yeah, like things go a bit. Awry. That's yeah, where we can't really tell. That's much that's what's where happening. you really that's where you really lose a grasp of of um, reality and and what and and even narrative to a certain extent mm-hmm. um, where things just go you know what, like, here's the ending and make of it what you will uh, for the next 20, 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, and then there's this, just all this footage of her walking around in this peach ninja suit. There's, like, a sex scene with her and this guy, Darren, who she had gone on, like, this single date with. And then he morphs into the the show character, Darren, who's from the show Purgatory that she's obsessed with. Um, Some sort of weird fantasy thing yeah i don't know if i wish i had like a psychology major or something to unpack all of that because i'm sure there's some crazy you know freudian jungian stuff going on in there that i it's honestly beyond me yeah um but the costume is is strange funny um it like i it is like i 
just the what they chose to do almost kind of creepy like creepy in a yeah, way yeah why not like a dress yeah or well, exactly something. but uh, no it's this full i think it's that idea of protection because one of the mm. things that the the psychic says in the store is that like yeah peaches is, is protection and safety um like this this color that's the energy and so i think when Sarah is going through all this um, and, and is really spiraling down. She finds almost like com- a, a lot of comfort and and comfortability in being in, imbued with this costume of, of peach fabric. Um, yeah. She goes and, and also another thing. I mean, really, I haven't talked much about her, her horse because um, she goes and gives an outfit to her horse as well to protect her horse. But it's. Not- I, have a, I have a really funny um, quote that I took from Reddit about the horse. I was just laughing like outside the studio um, reading this. But a user posted, I expected more horse in this movie. They don't need to live up to my expectations, but the horse was just treated as a big dumb prop. Maybe I was spoiled by the movie The Rider, where there is such great human equine interaction and scenes with horses. It's like you put a dog in your movie, but never show him acting like a dog. They could have used a horse made of plaster. I understand the movie was about people, not horses. Reading, reading I think that a, I think comment, a horse girl wrote that. <laughs> I was like just tripping reading that. I, I just love the phrase human-equine interaction. That was great. Um, but yeah, the horse does come up to when she's having this whole, like she's wearing this pink mm-hmm. suit thing. Um, and then, of course, in the end, like we see her riding away on the horse as yeah. well. I, I, th- I think... Like I would give the horse more credit than that user did uh, in in its place in the in the story. Um, obviously, it's, it's not actually a movie about horses, um, but this idea of horse girl, horse and and being kind of a, a shy girl um, out in their own world, you know, not very involved in a lot of social activities and things because they're very invested in their horse and that life um mm-hmm. and, and and doing equestrian um Activities. but <laughs> in, exactly but you see um we're introduced to a character a childhood friend of sarah earlier on who um clearly ha- uh, has some uh i would probably i i assumed like brain damage i think mm-hmm. because we get a flashback of when her and both and, and sarah this is when they were younger probably even maybe high school, I would say, around that time. They both rode horses together, and her friend had this accident um, that, that and fell off the horse that caused brain damage. And so she still sees her, and, and it, it's not a huge plot point, but it, it kind of sh- shows some background to Sarah. And another thing is that it shows that Sarah did once have something that was she cared deeply about and was very invested in and had mm-hmm. her own world, and, and um, it, it, that was kind of lost. Um, because of because of the accident, because of and and because of her mother's death, or like something happened, she stopped riding horses, stopped being with horses a lot. Um, but it was still like she still wanted it. It was still a part of her world, but it was something she couldn't have. It was a thing, so she felt like a little bit lonely and empty yeah. without this purpose. And and um, so maybe that horse is kind of that last thread yeah and it's also that past yeah and it shows and the barn like she goes and visits the horse uh, like every day still even though she doesn't own it anymore there's a different young girl riding it who's very like your modern teenager kind of and she's like oh who's this weird yeah sarah's not really welcome at no and sarah's not welcome and that's the thing it's a place where she was once welcome and safe and comfortable that she's no longer wanted at and um that has to like that plays into the isolation that she feels throughout the whole film. I mm-hmm. think. Um, I so I think like the horse does have a lot of importance, purpose, and purpose in, in the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I didn't actually give it credit for until thinking, like watching it. Sure, it's like okay, this movie isn't actually about horses. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> um, but thinking back on it it actually it is is quite important thing to the overall narrative about mental health and mm-hmm. yeah yeah i guess well that was a good funny quote to pull out that really instigated a lot of thought there <laughs> yeah 
Um, <laughs> no, we took. Yeah, no, we took. I mean, that's. I'm fair enough from from that. Was it Reddit user? Yeah. 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 Um, the, I think the reason they came up with the name Horse Girl. Uh, I was also reading an interview. Uh, Jeff Baina and Alice Marie were on a hike in LA. This is when they were like working on a, a bit of a story. They wanted to work together. And Jeff Baina said to Alice Marie, he's like, oh, yeah, you look kind of like a horse girl. Like, have you ever gotten that before? And Al- what a, that's <laughs> honestly, like, I, I think I have a problem with that. Like, that's a really weird thing to say to somebody. And I, I think they're really, I think they're close friends. Like, okay. I think it was in a joking way. And she like, but she's like, I have gotten that before, um, she said. Um, and, and then they kind of, she started thinking about this idea. And she was already wanting to do this story about based on her, her own family history with mental illness um, and and kind of working around kind of developing something like that. Mm-hmm. But this whole conversation with about kind of this characters or horse girls as characters um, or as a archetype or whatever started to play into the script and she started and she kind of married them. And then when they started working together, it became a very integral part in, in Sarah as a character. Yeah. Um, and that's how it came about to be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't name the film Horse Girl. Maybe, but I really like. But it, <laughs> the just kind of absurdity of the title, grabbing. you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, like we said at the beginning, like it is that term has a lot of. I don't know what the word. Connotation. It's like, like yeah, connotation. I guess like negative cloud. You know. <laughs> um, negative cloud today that. And I, I think it's interesting. I think if I thought about it longer and longer, I might have some issues with that or something. Just because I feel like horse girls is just like. And it issues with, with it's using always negative. It. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Um, which is funny, but they don't. They don't. Yeah, they don't throw her under the bus, really, or like make no. her out to be this really horrible character. No. Like, I think we do. We do like her and we sympathize with her and and all that. It's not like she's not relatable to us no, or anything. No, uh, and I, but I think like it, it's a kind of a it's a re, a reality of that like there are that sort of type of people that that exist and whether there's not a lot of like you know there's awkward characters and shy characters mm-hmm. also but like this is a very specific kind of. Um, character type an archetype of of character um to be a a horse girl yeah so i think it's as well done and explored in a very interesting way i think taken a lot better than it could have been with a title like horse girl like yeah it it taken in a direction that you played a lot better than say a high school melodrama uh, about Mm -hmm. you know but i think i think it went really in a in a good direction I know you don't like this movie as much as I do. Um, it's not It's not even that, like, I love it. I'm not enamored with it or anything. But I just think there is a lot of value there in, like, what we talked about with the plot. Um, just being really true, I think, to her experience and, and in general, like, the experience of people who are experiencing, oh, that was a lot, um, mental illness or... Um, in her grandmother's case, it was with paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, so I think the translation of, of that kind of feeling and the whole thing about it feeling real to her. Yeah. I, I don't know. That just really sat well with me to the point that, like, I I didn't feel good after watching it. Not in a, like, oh, I didn't like it, so I didn't feel good. But that it just emotionally affected me, mm-hmm. which I think I don't always feel that from a lot of movies lately. Fair. Yeah. Like, that I walked away with you know, some kind of weight or yeah, whatever. And I think in the end too, part of me was like, oh, what was like the white glowing ramp? Over the ocean. And what about like the UFO stuff and all this stuff? But I think in the end, like, I don't really care. No. Like all of that was, I don't know, just like smaller bits of a larger reality for her. Yeah. That is the more important story, yeah. not necessarily these like little details of like, why does she just look like her grandmother in the picture? And like yeah. all these little things that are kind of making me scratch my head. But mm-hmm. but I'm more attracted to just the story overall. Yeah, no, I think it does do a, a pretty, I would say like an original um, take on 
looking at the subject and and an interesting way of examining this um, subject through through like an interesting narrative. Um, like my only like my gripe with it, I think, is is about its. Um, you have an issue with the writing. I think the you? writing. I think the writing. Like this, so the story is good. The concept is good. The writing could be more concise in order to explore the subject, just in a bit more, like, and I understand ambiguity and letting the audience kind of understand. But if you have mm-hmm. something to say about a subject, um, and you like want to show it in a certain light and and bring attention to it to an audience, then like I would I would say it it could be done in a more um, power a, a bit more powerful way not to say it's not powerful because I felt a, a bit of the same way like I came out of it thinking about these things enduring it um, yeah with a weight um, mm-hmm. or not necessarily a weight but feeling like you know a little bit lesson learned a little bit lesson in, in empathy and looking at someone's particular story and, and life and their situation I think it does a good job of that yeah, and looking at that from their perspective. Yeah. Rather than just like how the roommate sees her yeah. or things yeah. like that. Um and, and and having a well rounded character and exploring certain aspects of her life and how they all get intertwined due to this mental illness. It really mm-hmm. brings in everything. Um yeah, and I, I so like I wouldn't even give it a I mean not rating, but like I wouldn't give it a even a bad rating. Like I would give it a like a over five for sure, or like around there, but it's more like it's not it's still like an uh you, you can tell that i think it's like alison Bree's first time writing for me i felt um not to say it wasn't a good good first effort and i no like so cynical uh, no like i think yeah i don't i don't mean to be but it's um it's a it's a, it was a good it was a good film and um i'm excited to see what what else she, she's what gonna else she's going to work on, gonna work yeah, on me because too. She well, while well, she didn't direct this one, she did direct an episode of Glow recently. Um, uh, in the I think in the second season, she she directed, and I think she might be going in that direction, mm-hmm. the writing and direction, writing writing and direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, it, it's exciting to see what she could do. Yeah, well, I think we can tell who is the who's the angel and who's the devil in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I think I'm not inherently super critical of. Of a ton of things, yeah. Or I'm just like very willing to enjoy a huge variety of things. No, no, that's fair. I don't. No, I don't have a type. That's the. Thing. I didn't. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. I. I wouldn't say that. Okay. I just, I'm. I'm, I'm just. Um, nitpicky. Yeah, nitpicky, and just being critical of of the aspects. I think of that's film. valid. Yeah. This this wouldn't be a good film show if it was just me, you know, hyping up all these. Yeah, no, movies I think on it, Netflix. Yeah, I think it's important. <laughs> I mean, that's the which thing. is what I do. Movies come out on Netflix every week, like Netflix originals, and I think Horse Girl is standing out as an in, a good one to watch. Yeah, um, and one to watch. One of those ones that is a bit above your your regular kind of B Netflix movies. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's our take on Horse Girl. Um, we're gonna end a little early today, but um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, don't forget that Fun Drive ends today. You can call 604-822-8648 to donate. Phone lines are open from 1 to 9. Um, we still have some pairs of movie tickets left. So if you make a minimum $25 donation, those are all yours. Um, yeah, happy Valentine's Day if you're into that. If you're mm. not, happy Friday. <laughs> happy Friday, everyone. <laughs> yeah, have a good weekend. Um, we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bye. Take a dip, feel low, take your time Take a ticket, take the train to the end of the line See where you can go, spend it, it's plastic, no do or die Better flip it, think about it, we'll do just fine Well, these things will come and go
fly Draw a line in the sand between your fights Just to see which way you go See so got this, you're the lead through your own Battle through it, consume it, then let it go CITR 101.9 FM. A center for ants! What? We're a radio station broadcasting from UBC Vancouver. How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Visit CITR.ca. Derek, it's just a... I don't want to hear your excuses! The center has to be at least... Three times bigger than this. Hey, bro. I was kind of thinking that I might want to write, like, stuff for a magazine, dude. You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? What? Yeah, you can review live shows where you get in for free, or music and books and stuff that's coming out, or do write-ups on artists and local issues for Discorder magazine. That's sick, bro. Yeah, just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. Dude, I totally will. Now the patriarchy is dead, and we killed it. If you identify as a woman, femme, trans, or non-binary, CITR wants you on the air. You can talk about literally whatever you want as long as you care about it. No worries if you have no experience, we'll train you in everything you need to know. Come by CITR and say hi. Hey, hi, hello. From 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday to Friday to help us never play Led Zeppelin on CITR 101.9 FM ever again. Have you ever thought about going abroad to study, work, volunteer, or learn a new language? Mark Tuesday, March 3rd in your calendar and get down to the Vancouver Convention Center East Building to find out how. All the experts under one roof, top universities, gap year specialists, and student travel organizations. Feature seminar starts at 1 p.m. and expo opens at 2 p.m. Admission is free. Check online at www.studyandgoabroad.com for more info. This year's Fun Drive finale is on Valentine's Day, which has always been CITR and Discorder's favorite holiday. This is the Valentine's Day episode. Whatever. Um, You know, just a commercial holiday to sell you more shit. 
Um, happy Valentine's Day? I don't know. I don't really... Uh, uh, it's not really my thing. Valentine's Day is pretty much a Hallmark scam to get you to spend your money on chocolate and cards, so you might as well spend your cash at the Fun Drive finale. We're sealing Fun Drive with a kiss, with the help of Psy, Canon Mulat, What, Big City, and Devours, with tunes by DJ Frankie Teardrop at Redgate Art Society on Friday, February 14th, a.k.a. Valentine's Day. It's all ages, $10, but no one turned away for lack of funds, and has a silent auction with prizes from businesses across Vancouver. Thank you. Love, CITR, and Discorder. Straight to my lover's heart.